Matosufi Dawama, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic for it put him in a whirlpool, which is apparently <laughs> something you say when uh, someone experiences something totally shocking. Uh, it seems there were a number of whirlpools out in the desert this weekend, and here to help me navigate them, we have Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. I'm uh, man. These races are coming thick and fast, huh? I think all of us forgot that there was an Abu Dhabi happening uh, this weekend with all yes. the with the extended silly season that we're sort of stuck in here. It's I've never had an end of a season where there's so much going on in terms of the personnel and teams, and we really still don't know what's who's going to be in Wakar uh, next year. Yeah, it feels like we have crashed. Our wheels are off, and we are skidding across the finish line. <laughs> exactly yeah much like the next movie we're going to talk about in our patron exclusive actually <laughs> we'll right. get to that later uh no rob this week uh he's uh so, well so for, the, far. for the moment yeah yeah he, he's got some audio issues um maybe joining us later who we will we'll see um, do you think it was a christmas tree maybe he just got a christmas tree delivered or his partner i think brought one in right before we recorded maybe the grinch was in it could be uh if you are new to this podcast a very warm welcome and if you're new to formula one itself uh welcome to the end of the season but if you'd like to go back uh to our preseason primer episode that will give you the lowdown on how this weird sport works and who everybody is um so if you'd like to go and listen to that it's episode 96 and then you could catch all the way back up in the off season uh also this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that uh, cover racing documentaries and films f1 video games primers for other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what do we got going on this month danny Oh, it's time to shake and bake, my friend. We are going to watch the uh, infamous NASCAR documentary, <laughs> The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Uh, felt like a good, uh, I don't know, coupling with the holiday season as it is. It's kind of one of those movies. Sit back, relax, have some fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, the three of us are going to record our Talladega Nights uh, review uh next week so if you want that and all the rest of the movies and everything else we've covered this year over on our patreon head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 yes indeed uh today though we have a lot to cover uh not only do we have a um very eventful race but we will be talking about the upcoming abu dhabi grand prix that's happening yes this weekend uh, but we have some, I guess, pre-race things to consider. As we mentioned very quickly last episode, Lewis Hamilton out of this race with, uh, maybe you've heard of it, COVID-19. <laughs> um, I think it's the only race he's ever missed. It is. I, yeah. And um, his, uh, since he started in, what, it was it 2007? Um, yeah. Never missed a, a Grand Prix. Drivers tend not to miss Grand Prix unless something really, you know, usually a crash is what does it so right or it's, yeah, it's not it's not that surprising except that his his tenure is so long and he's never missed right. a race and um, that's that's the remarkable part i think i think we also had mentioned that stoffel van dorn uh, mercedes reserve driver and formula e driver um flew to bahrain just in case mm. they needed him but mercedes went with one george russell uh russell has i guess more recent f1 experience he's in the mercedes ecosystem toto wolf uh, team principal of Mercedes is his manager. Uh, also, they want Williams him in has, the seat eventually. They want him in the seat. Yeah. Williams has Mercedes engines. Um, I think Toto is also Ocon's manager. Um, but, you know, Ocon is uh, in, a, in a, a Renault, so they don't have quite a close relationship with Williams, who uses Mercedes engines. Um, and yeah, they are grooming Russell for the team, it seems. So this is a great opportunity to see what he's made of because, you know, there is no better indicator of performance than putting him in a the, the car in a real race next to another Mercedes driver. Yeah, for um, sure. It set up an interesting situation where both, you know, in a way, Russell had sort of nothing to lose and no one's really expecting him to do that well in the first weekend, sort of hoping that perhaps he could stick in the car. Maybe in Abu Dhabi would be a proper test of him. But for Bottas, like, ooh, everything this is a no, to lose. Yeah, it's, it's a no-win situation for him. Totally. Even if he does well, it's like, well, you did well against, you know, this guy who's never been in a Mercedes car before. Right. And if he, if he beats you, 
then you look really bad so exactly yeah a lot um, of pressure um yeah and uh, so we had some people emailing and asking about how come russell was able to drive for mercedes the the contracts that exist on a lot of these drivers are sort of as you can imagine um even more complex than your average nba or soccer player um but it's always been an option uh with russell with regards to how he is at williams that he could go to mercedes to do something like this or test in their car which he's done as well in the past in the off season well not testing in the off season but he has done tests with them um it's not the first time he's been in a mercedes car but the first time he was in this mercedes and he did great right off the bat in qualifying and practice yeah and just to contrast him again with Ocon, like renault is not as buddy buddy with mercedes as williams mm. is and they don't want to give up one of their drivers you know potential points to go and race for a rival team. So, you know, Williams uh, not only has that relationship, but they're also a backmarker team. So they're not really risking a whole lot by having uh, Formula 2 racer Jack Aitken step yeah. up to take Russell's pr- uh, place. One of... Bit of a journeyman. Uh, yeah, well, one of, my, one of my favorites, I think, in um, in Formula 2. I just like the guy. Yeah, uh, he kind of... He's, 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 not, he's not old, but he's certainly... You know, he kind of hasn't had a shot in Formula 1. Or, he, you know, he's, he's had one of those careers that's been, you know kind of always the bridesmaid a little bit so great to see him uh in there and of course the young uh the young fittipaldi as well that's right um pietro emerson. fittipaldi pietro, emerson's sorry. grandson uh stepped up to take over for roman grosjean who is of course um recovering from uh injuries sustained in the last bahrain grand prix uh i thought mm. there was there was some fun sort of uh tidbits leading up to russell filling in for lewis um, namely, as uh, Luke, journalist Luke Smith pointed out uh, on Twitter um, in his article for Autosport, George Russell re- reveals he is using race boots one size smaller than normal to fit into the Mercedes W11 car this weekend. Russell is six foot one with size eleven feet. Hamilton is five foot nine with size nine feet. So that's a massive difference. Yes, the poor guy. He apparently his knees, his arms were were bleeding a bit after. The weekend yeah, I think Toto and, said his 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 hands or his knuckles, I think, because yeah. um, there there's like very little clearance on the steering wheel. Uh, they also, I think, were able to use a seat that Russell had been fitted for that was three years old because he had done some right. simulator testing for them, um, but his shoulders were <laughs> wider than they were <laughs> back then. Um, also, his helmet he was fourteen had, then <laughs> that, right. His helmet had to be painted in twenty four hours, and a race suit had to be flown from Italy, where they are made, to the UK for some reason, and then to Bahrain. So wow, um, all kinds of craziness. But they 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 pulled it off. He got in the seat. Um, yeah, Fastest speaking, in practice one. He was, yeah, fastest practice one and two. Two. A little bit wobbly in three. He, he basically tried to, like, stretch the limits of the car a little bit um, when they do their usual long run tests as well. And he wasn't great. And he was a little bit wobbly then as a result going into quali. Um, yeah. But obviously it didn't matter in the end. That's right. Um, I guess one more note here just before we kick into qualifying. The barrier um, that Roman Grosjean hit in the last race had has changed a little bit. I think they extended it, but they also added tires track side um so mm. you would if you had hit it again you would hit the tires first and then is the is the guardrail after that um but yes qualifying shook out like this uh a very very close battle mm. for pole position but valtteri botas just eked it out by less than three hundredths of a second um setting uh the shortest F1 lap of all time, according to race fans. <laughs> uh, they say Nicky Lauda's pole position for the 1974 French Grand Prix at Dijon was a time of 58.79 seconds and wow. held the record for the shortest officially timed F1 lap. No longer. Valtteri Bottas, 53.377. George Russell in second place with a 53.403. Unfortunately, snapping his streak of outqualifying his teammate for 36 yeah, he doesn't races. get the record now right he 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 only he drew it last week right yeah he, I th- he so tied I think he's it, tied yeah. with third with pk oh it was um, third okay okay yeah. uh but that's like amazing because you know mercedes was having to remind him and there's a uh, uh, in qualifying and in the race uh multiple times where buttons are on the steering wheel um <laughs> and like how to how to make certain adjustments because like you know all these cars are running their own custom software so you can't just hop in and expect to know you know how they how they uh function sorry it's like um, imagine playing a new strategy game 
on a you know on a pc that's not yours while traveling at 150 miles an hour it's like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, like, it's it's a lot it's a lot to be doing these folks are you know they're doing a lot of work or like uh back when all the shooters on consoles had a different control scheme because no one had figured out how to <laughs> right. do first person shooters going from um, like golden eye on n64 to you know black on playstation 2 or something it's like right, what halo yeah um he, he also asked, I think while on the grid before the race, to be reminded to stop in the first pit box instead of the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, those two are one and two. Max Verstappen qualified in third and Charles Leclerc so in fourth. Um, who said after he set that time, uh, this lap was very good. Like, <laughs> he's just very pleased with himself. And he should be. I think Brundle was be, like, yeah. where did that come from? Um, so yeah, he did a great job in fifth place, Sergio Perez in fourth, Daniel Kvyat. Uh, then we've got, oh, I'm sorry. In sixth is Daniel Kvyat. Then Ricardo, uh, signs, uh, who actually surmised during qualifying that Russell had given him a toe. Uh, hmm. I think because signs had once done the same, um, saying, I guess we have a good relationship. <laughs> uh, Pierre Gasly's ninth Lance Stroll in 10th. Uh, those top 10 qualifying times, by the way, covered by less than nine tenths of a second. It's amazing, yeah. It's you lap. know, byproduct of the short lap for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just a quick note on Verstappen there. Uh, very, very close to the marks. Very unlucky not to beat them as well. The the Red Bull was doing. They didn't suspect they'd do particularly great well here against them because of the straight line speed and there's just so much straight line in this weird little track they have. Um, but yeah, they were performing pretty well and like probably optimistic going into the into the race. Yeah, you're right, because he's only three hundredths off of Russell. Mm. Very close. Um, in 11th, we have Ocon, followed by Alex Albon, Sebastian Vettel, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnussen, Nicholas Latifi, Jack Aitken, Kimi Raikkonen, and then Lando Norris and Pietro Fittipaldi both um, were moved to the back of the grid for uh, taking new engine elements. Oh, boy. Yeah. Do you want to take us through the start? Danny? Sure. Let's do it. As we know, quick reminder for everyone. Valtteri Bottas. Bottas. Whatever way I pronounce it. <laughs> uh, whatever way you oh, pronounce it is wrong. Is wrong, yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah, Charles Leclerc. Um, Bottas, oh, always a little shaky on starts. Not always a little shaky on starts, but we always remember that he's shaky on starts because he is often shaky on starts. Max Verstappen, very aggressive at the start of races. Um, and then generally overall, just a lot, like the mid-pack is very big this week. There's like a lot of cars jockeying for a lot of positions, then that big old straight. And they know from last week as well that there's a lot of track you can fill up there. So off they go. Lights out. Russell has a good sh- uh, start. Bottas has a good start. Uh, Russell perhaps on a more favorable favorable start of the track um, for fighting for that position manages to get to the turn a little bit faster than Vatas does uh, passed him on turn one incredible stuff um, oh, so, so congratulations cool. George you are leading a Grand Prix for the in F1 for the first time in your life um, Vatas skittish maybe got the wrong angle maybe fought it a little bit too much or not enough it's it's hard to tell but he gets a little bit of a wobble in entering that second turn leading up to uh, the straight and suddenly he is you know he has piranhas nipping at his heels in the form of uh, both Max Verstappen uh, and Charles Leclerc so they get a little bit bogged down it's almost a little bit like a repeat of last week's or sorry the previous week where we had that wobble that occurred which created the concertina which in ended up with Grosjean having to sort of I'll not take evasive action but make a driving decision when perhaps he would have just followed the pack um Similarly, we get a little bit of that down the end of turn three. Uh, in the back of the pack, though, we've Kimi Raikkonen, who just got a little bit too much on the curves on turn three. Not really sure. He he was pushed out a little bit, but he he basically just drove his car over the curb, like almost all four wheels. Um, lost grip, dusty span. Uh, did well to keep the car, uh, you know, on the straight and narrow. He didn't hit anyone. Um, looked very dramatic on that downward shot because it was the same shot that we saw Grosjean hitting the wall in and we saw a similar yeah. sort of spin uh, Alpha Tar or the Alphas and the Haases don't look too dissimilar either in terms of paint job so I was kind of like what um, but uh, all the action happened at the end of the first straight with uh, turn four where we had an eager Charles Leclerc uh, who is now 
fighting for position with Sergio Perez, who basically sort of like caught up on the two lads when there was that little bit of a wobble by Bottas. Um, Bottas still in second, by the way. He's done good to hold on to position, actually, coming out of turn three. Um, and uh, Leclerc just kind of sticks the car where there's not going to be room um, against Perez, who doesn't leave room. He's, you know, he was perhaps more aggressive in the past, but these days he's not he's not a crazy man but he's also not someone you're going to be able to force wide but even if he wasn't Leclerc basically sidelines him like hits him in the, in the side of the, the car um both of them exit out the back of turn four and then Max Verstappen who's just minding his own business trying to drive around the outside basically has to like correct to get out of the way and then finds himself almost like the skid plate in Germany just at the wrong speed pointing the wrong direction, hitting the wrong surface, uh, ends up on a bit of gravel, going too fast, and just has a really depressing slow-motion shunt into the wall, um, removing his front wing and ending his race. Uh, Leclerc ends up behind him, um, uh, crashing out slightly slower, uh, and Perez manages to rejoin the track, but he's at the back of the field by the time the safety car is uh, deployed. Yeah, I've got a few quotes here from um, first the the FIA who ruled on this incident after the race. Um, Leclerc, they're saying, braked too late into turn four, locking the front right wheel and colliding with Perez's car, which was, quote, taking the normal racing line into the corner. He was ahead um, of him, yeah. Leclerc, after the race, said, uh, or I think this was during the race, but after he was out, he says, um, I had seen Checo, but I expected him to go around the outside of Valtteri and stay there. But I think I think he decided after to come back on the inside and I was there. It was too late for me to slow down. I don't think it's a mistake from Checo. I'm not putting the blame on Checo. If there's anybody to blame today, it's me. Um, but yes, we we get a safety car. Perez does rejoin and then immediately pits for medium tires from soft tires. I think only of the top 10, only the Mercedes cars were on mediums. Mm. Um, There's also a really cool Formula One um, YouTube video that has Russell's radio messages from this period about what to do with the car under safety car. (laughs) So like uh, the engineer Bono is like coaching him through it. Interestingly, there's no mention of DAS, the, the dual, ax- dual axis steering system that Mercedes right. Right. Mercedes has to keep their tires warm. Um, but he is instructed to cancel the magic. <laughs> Which, Excuse I don't know me? What, I don't know what that means, but um, he also... He, so he pits too. And after coming out of the pits, <laughs> we get a radio message saying that he is... Um, like low on power or down on power, but that is apparently another one of those steering wheel settings that he didn't know. So Bono also uh, coaches him through that and he gets better. Yeah, a lot speed. of that this race, a lot of just, you know, you're in the wrong mode or like do this or reset or default or, you know, that type of thing. Cancel the magic. That's amazing. That should be like <laughs> yeah. the slogan for 2020. <laughs> really should. <laughs> Put it on uh, a t-shirt. But on the restart, um, this is how everybody shakes up. It's Russell in first, uh, Botas in second, Signs in third, who has made up five places, but with the with you know all three of those cars going out, it's effectively yeah. he's passed two people, but just still really good. He's in third place. Um, Ricardo, Kvyat, Stroll, Gasly, Ocon, Fettel, and then Norris in tenth place, who has made up nine places. Wild, uh, or effectively passed six people. Yeah, uh, last almost. Yeah, second, second to last. last. Uh, behind him, Albon, Magnussen, Latifi, Giovinazzi, Aitken. Fittipaldi, and then Raikkonen, who uh, did recover from that spin. Oh, and then Perez, who has those new tires. Um, and then, and then, not much happens for a while. <laughs> yeah, do, I mean, uh, Signs does fight Botas immediately yeah. on the restart, but and they go side by side. It's a cool little moment, but then he Signs dips it onto uh, the dust, um, and Botas retakes the uh, uh, the place. Yeah, and and then um, Signs is in their dust almost immediately. Yeah, like, then he becomes the first of the real race while the Mercedes disappear yeah. <laughs> looking for blue flags down the road. Right. Um, lap 20, Albon gets by Norris in the same, that same one, two, turn one, two, three section mm. um, that Signs and Botas were fighting. Uh, but Albon does manage to uh, keep it on the track. Uh, good move from him. You know, a clean move, keeping enough space. Um, 
gets fighting you know, for a seat still. He's been fighting yeah. for a seat most of this season, you could argue, with the, yeah. since the fourth or fifth race when the question marks started to appear. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, more about that later, probably. Yeah. And uh, in the background, Perez, who is now in 11th, uh, gets by Norris, um, having made up about a place every two laps since the restart. So he's he's on fire. Uh, and he's not fires. done uh, because one lap later he gets by Albon with some more excellent side-by-side battling uh, into ninth place. Yeah, he's on a totally different strategy to everyone else because of the forced pit stop. Uh, we had some people pitting a little bit later, but um, yeah, the one stop, two st- two stop seems to be the way to go maybe on this, but it's such a funny one because there's 87 laps, I think. Um, yeah. it's Because a, it's a, the, the lap time is so fast but even the race pace lap lap times were faster than people expected so it was going to be over faster than they probably would have made it 90 odd laps if uh, <laughs> yeah. if they knew how fast the cars were going to go yes um on lap 55 which is you know like two-thirds of the way through the race <laughs> which <Yeah>. is unusual <laughs> um nicholas latifi pulls over with a problem uh yes. right next to an escape road um where we get a virtual safety car to you know aid in the recovery of him um to for which signs and ricardo both take the bait and pit uh but it is such a short virtual safety car that the track goes green while they are still in the pits ricardo i think is driving into the pits when it happens yeah and they're a third and fourth still yeah so it kind of ended up being worst case scenario perhaps for them maybe not the lap they would have pitted normally and the advantage of the virtual safety car you know disappearing yeah uh, who this is great for is Perez, who's in seventh. He had pitted uh, seven laps before and was running mm. in seventh, but after these stops uh, ahead of him, he moves up to fifth. So the only cars ahead of him are Stroll in fourth, Ocon in third, and the two Mercedes cars of Botas and then Russell, uh, who are over 23 seconds ahead of the rest of the pack. Yeah, um, and he's on a much better set of tires and makes light work of gobbling them up. Yeah, so Ocon isn't very fast when the virtual safety car ends and has effectively backed Stroll into Perez. <laughs> yeah. um, on lap 56, Stroll locks up trying to defend from Perez and he passes easily on the inside, uh, which then puts him into DRS range of Ocon. And sure enough, one lap later, he uses it to get by Ocon into third place. Um, so to reset, 30 more of these short laps to go and the top four are on hard tires so it should be pretty boring from here enter jack aiken crash gate version two (laughs) on lap 63 (laughs) loses his williams and clips his front wing off just before you see where he lost it it was it was the final piece of wall you could hit before being able to still enter the pit lane it was the exit yes. of the final turn and he just clean removes the front way. It was almost like, it reminded me of, do you remember Hamilton in Germany at that ridiculous skid race uh, two years ago where everyone was slipping and sliding? Remember uh-huh. he crashed and then had to like cut across the bollard yes. to, to get into the pit lane. It was almost one of those. It wasn't, he didn't have to, have to cut across the, the line, but it was almost one of those where he just kind of like shuffled into the pit lane with no yeah. front wing for Jack Aiken. And he, he kind of surprised his his crew, but they were able to, uh, you know, change it all and get him back on track. But... Um, oh, oh, boy. Oh, a virtual, boy. Okay. I think I've got a handle on this. <laughs> you have to, if you manage to do this without telling it at least four times, I'll be very impressed. Because okay. that's what the feeling was in the moment. Go ahead. So a virtual safety car comes out, <laughs> um, followed quickly by a full safety car. So with a comfortable 26 second margin from Botas in second to Perez in third, Mercedes decides to do a double stack and pit both of their car- cars on the same lap for what is effectively a free pit stop because we're under safety car. Um, and so begins one of the most confusing sequences I've ever seen in a race. <laughs> uh, Russell comes into the pit box first, changes from hard to medium tires in what's a pretty slow stop, it's like five seconds and change, um, and then he peels away. Botas is right behind and pulls in, and it is another slow stop because it looks like the crew is late getting the medium tires to his car. That's what it looks like. 
Then you see the mechanic on the front left waving his arms frantically. The team then takes the mediums off of Botas's car and puts the hard tires they just took off back on uh, and then sends Botas on his way. So we're all like, what, what was that? Yeah, his, his, he's there so long that his front left uh, brake, uh, brake start, start setting on fire. So yeah. <laughs> they're so hot and not getting cooled by, by a nice air rushing past them. So uh, Russell came out in, in first as planned, but Botas has now dropped from second to fifth after such a long stop. Huge but bits, really long. That is not all, uh, because one lap later, Russell comes back in to the pits. We get a radio message saying that Russell has, uh, telling Russell that he has some mixed tires on, a mixed set on. And Brundle clarifies, um, saying that they somehow put some of Botas's tires onto Russell's car. Uh, according to a race fans article after the race, it was two of Botas's tire were fitted to Russell's car. Um, the, Which is why they were confused when Botas was there, because they were like, wait, yeah, where's your, why do your tires say RUS on them? You're right. It, it, I think it was the the, uh, the left two tires. Um, and this is a breach of the rules. You know, each each driver has a limited number of tires to use for the whole weekend and you can't share. Um, we'll get into how that happened in a yeah. bit. But okay. you can actually see the guy who is like who holds the tire and, and puts it on the um, the wheel. Uh, you can see him stop and look at it for a second and then kind of decide it looks like he decides oh well and just puts it on and then the the wheel man or the you know the guy holding the wheel gun bolts it on and then after a beat is when he decides to wave his hands so they know they're like they do there's a lot of double takes going on um but with yeah, that mix they're up, not ex- they're not expecting any of this is a decision that's not theirs to make um well, but right. and we'll get into how it happened later obviously so with that mix up russell drops even further behind than botas so he's now in fifth um but we get a restart on lap 69 with the pack all bunched up so a win for russell or certainly a podium is still in the cards it is perez in first then ocon stroll botas russell so botas remember is still on those hard tires because they took them off and then put the same ones back on so they're really (laughs) old um and Russell's got new mediums. Uh, it's a good thing. And it's a good thing they did that. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Because at least they didn't have to repit Bottas. Because if they... Had, yeah. Yeah. So they did the right, the right call. The conservative call was not... And, and also, it's worth mentioning that they did not need to pit these guys. They were doing it as a safety pit, which is something that Mercedes like to do when they've gotten a gap. And you may remember that in previous races, Hamilton, having lost races coming into the pits, having lost a championship, crashing while coming into the pits, knowing that sometimes pit pit stops go wrong, has twice, I think, in the past six months, declined late Mercedes safety stops because he's wor- because he doesn't want to risk it. Because he'd rather, yeah. you know, risk... Who knows what happens? Maybe a tire explodes at some stage. You know, we've seen it happen this year. It doesn't happen all that often. Probably not going to happen on this track, but they don't know. It's a new track. What did they, what did they do when they hit this this much uh, temperature and this long? But it's funny that Hamilton, you know, we always say the difference between him is his ability to make decisions in the moment. In that situation, I wonder, would he have come in or would he have um, decided not to bother with it? Um, uh, I wonder, safety car, it's different than a virtual safety car, but... yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob does send us a, a message from beyond saying uh, he wants to let everyone know how much he hated the double stack uh, and that I watched the pit stop like it was the Zapruder film. Do we know what that is? The, Z- the Zapruder film? It's the um, the uh, the footage of JFK's assassination. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> with horror. Yes. He was, and with, he with was... meticulous and analysis. <laughs> It was a, uh, um, it was a lot to, it it was, it it's not even over. That's the worst. No, part. yeah. So, uh, Botas on those old hard tires. Um, not surprising, I guess, to see him go a little wide and uh, Russell pounce on him in that bouncy, twisty section of the track, which looks really hard to drive yeah. on. Frankly, uh, that's where I'd be losing it in the video game, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, he overtook between turns five and six. I think it was. There's a there's a crazy line which no one 
expected, I guess, as an overtaking spot, given the two long straights we had, three long straights. Um, but also it was where Mick Schumacher was doing a lot of work. He did some fantastic overtakes in the uh, F2 races this weekend. Uh, we'll also talk about those later. Um, so I, I just thought it was amazing to see Russell keep his composure here and make moves like this because that one wasn't easy. And now we have no. 17 laps to pass three cars. So our boring finish has become quite interesting. Lap 72, yes. Russell bombs down the inside of Stroll at turn one for third place. Check. Lap 73, Russell gets Ocon on the back straight with DRS into second place. Check. Meanwhile, Botas on those old tires is plummeting through the field, uh, getting passed by Sainz, Ricardo, Albon, all on the same lap, um, which, you know, points to the decision to pit under safety car because uh, those tires are done. Um but perhaps the biggest ugh oh moment boy. of the year, and there were a lot of them in 2020. Danny, what's the radio message? What I all I heard slow puncture rear left. Is that what it was? Yep. Um, we I'm not sure if we mentioned it, but the reason why they brought the safety car in was because of debris from that broken front wing. So supposedly they cleared it up, but apparently maybe not all of it. Um, Russell, who is now in second. Catching up on Sergio Perez, who has wide shoulders, but, you know, isn't in a Mercedes. Uh, Russell likely getting his first win in F1, which would also be his first points in F1, (laughs) Um, ends up getting a puncture. So I guess it's the 17th trip to the pit lane for him. Yes. um, Ironically, uh, picking up, again, that puncture from... The result of Aitken's crash, who had come in to replace his car, George Russell. Russell's yeah. car. Yep. Russell's car got angry. He was like, "I can't believe, I can't believe you left me for this shiny silver arrow." I'll get uh, you. You know, and from there, I think Russell does an amazing job again, getting from 14th place, where he comes out of the pits, up to ninth in just eight laps for the end of the race. But man, that just completely took the wind out of the race. Um, Almost completely for me. The consolation, though. Exactly. 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 I was, everyone, I was watching this live because this was, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, weirdly later than the other uh-huh. one. So yeah. I didn't realize that it was on and I was like, oh my God, it's actually on now. I can just watch the race. Um, and I was like, no, this is like, and I'm not a huge Sergio Perez fan. I've definitely warmed more to him in the past couple of years. I think everything he's done. Um, at Force India, back when he basically like saved their asses, I think that that goes a long way to people being enamored by him. But the dude has never won a race in F one, and he's been here for a decade. hundred and ninety races. Yeah, he's like, and he's driven good in cars that weren't that good, and he's also had the, you know, the weight of that paid driver thing on his back the whole time. And in, in so far that he is a paid driver, but he's also a really good <laughs> driver. He's usually a number one on a team. So seeing him and seeing Ocon and seeing Stroll, it was like, well, whoever wins this race, it's going to be their first. Um, yeah. It'd be great for Ocon. It'd be great to have that. You know, he's had a bit of a weird year after getting back in the sport. Uh, it'd be great for Stroll having lost out on a, on a win um, only a couple of races back. But who better? The guy who does not have an F1 seat, the guy mm-hmm. who is still being shopped around, who is arguably better than half the field for him you know, after all his battles, both on the circuit and off the circuit for his race seat, um, manages to pull it out. That's right. Did you see and all the pit boards? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot yeah. of... Sorry, go on. Go no, you describe it. There's a, there's a shot that was taken, I think, by a McLaren photographer of Perez crossing the line with, like, 20 of his, like, his entire <laughs> pit garage hanging out he's pickers by the time for a team that is dropping him <laughs> right hanging out of the uh the you know the side the gantry whatever we call it, the big barriers there um there's a is it a hoss i think are clapping think there's a yeah there are a couple and then, guys clapping um from other teams and, and then and then in the background there's a an alpha i think it is have held out PER on their pit board as well. So it's just like the underdogs are yeah. all clapping Sergio True. Um, well, and he used and to, he, he raced for Sauber. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to that picture in the show notes. It's great. Great shot. And yeah, you could hear it in his voice. 
you know when, you crossed, oh. when, when they radio, radioed him how do you not get how do you not get emotional about stuff like that did you hear what he said in Spanish no he asked his wife to make sure his son was watching oh yeah man. I saw a translation that was like he was like he it was like he was yeah he said I, I don't have the translation in front of me but he said make make sure Checo is watching which is his who calls his son wow, wow. yeah um some stats here from uh, racefans.net 190 races is the longest anyone has ever had to wait for a win eclipsing mark weber's 130 by quite a lot wow um <clears throat> a win by giancarlo fisichella in the 2003 brazilian grand prix a win coincidentally which was um his first in 110 races uh was the last time um, the team we now know as Racing Point had won. It was the last one <laughs> for Jordan. Jordan, sorry, Jordan, I meant you. Uh, which subsequently became Midland, then Spiker, mm. then Force India, and took on its current name at the beginning of last year. <laughs> Perez is the second race winner from Mexico. He joins two-time race winner P- uh, Pedro Rodriguez, whose final victory came 50 years ago in F1's last race on the original Spa in a BRM. Um Mad. Did you like know he, Eddie Jordan at any stage? Was he in? The, were you watching the sport when Eddie was even presenting? He or doing was a anything? pundit. Yeah, when we started, and uh, I always rolled my eyes whenever he came on screen. It was very strange, but it was also very strange if, as an Irish person watching F one in the nineties to have an Irish owned team and an Irish driver in Eddie Irvine. <laughs> um, you know, you know, great time for especially for folks up in the north as well. Um, great, great to have them uh, have a driver, but like. Yeah, so it's funny how we all... It's so strange to hear. Somebody congratulated Eddie Jordan actually on the broadcast, which I found oh, really? funny. Yeah. Uh, Spiker, funny. still one of the coolest yeah. names for a team. Um, S- spell it. Uh, yeah, S-P-Y-K-R, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Esteban Ocon comes home in second place. Also from race awesome. fans, this was uh, Renault's best finish since Kubica finished second in the 2010 Australian Grand Prix. Wow. Uh, Lance Stroll in third... Followed by Carlos Sainz, keeping it clean in fourth place. Daniel Ricciardo in fifth. Alex Albon made it up to sixth place from, what, 11th? Um, Daniel Kvyat in seventh. Valtteri Bottas finally finished in eighth place. And George Russell in ninth. Uh, He did get fastest lap. Um, And he got in the top ten. And he got in the top ten. So that earns him his first points, three of them, uh, of his career. The first I might wager of a great many. Um, yes. This also from race fans. Russell led an impressive 59 laps on Sunday. He has therefore led more laps this year than any other driver besides the other two uh, to have sat in a Mercedes. Um, there was <laughs> That's some so stupid. <laughs> there was some worry that uh, with that pit stop error that um, that he was going to get disqualified. Um, but instead, uh, the FIA just fined Mercedes 20,000 euros saying mm. that, um, it, it was not done on purpose to gain an advantage. Uh, they also noted in their statement, quote, it is noted that this type of breach has not been previously experienced in formula one. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Way to go guys. Breaking so, new ground. Yeah. We've uh, we had some emails as well asking about why in certain situations are there fines? What's the point of these big teams? That's kind of the reason why is if there's something that was, um, if if the if the driver didn't get an advantage in some way or it was, that, and that it's not a safety of, issue. It's well that yes exactly yeah. If it was a decision that was made that, that created that, then perhaps. But this this to me it immediately seems like a fine in that in that the 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 people who were worse affected by this were Mercedes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But they have to be reprimanded in some way, of course. Yes. Um, rounding out the points, Lando Norris making it up to 10th from, again, almost the back of the grid. Behind him, yeah, can Pierre I, Gasly. Can I just stop out to Norris for a second, right? Yeah. Because we had this situation. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, that battle for third place. Can you imagine a scenario, right, in which the McLarens get, what was it, 5th? And 10th, 4th and 10th. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that they didn't do the best out of that race. Or if you said that the uh, Renaults, who are fighting, are in 5th at the moment, got 2nd <laughs> and 5th and still didn't do the best out of those three cars because yeah. uh, Force India got 1st and 3rd. Like, what a... 
what a, like they've all got more points this weekend than they've probably ever gotten all year. Yeah, and, 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 and also like it's two of them are in a worse off situation. <laughs> yeah, and the and the racing point cars. What last week one of them was upside down and another was on fire. Yes, it's 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 insane how they, this back and forth has gone. They actually had to because both of their cars went out with um with damage. They had to fly Lawrence Stroll's personal private jet to the UK to get new parts for this last race for for the Sakir Grand Prix. Otherwise, oh they could God. not have fielded two cars. They had a front wing sitting in like a beautiful first class seat. <laughs> That's right. with a glass of champagne in front of it. Um, all right. 11th place, Pierre Gasly, followed by Sebastian Vettel, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kimi Raikkonen, Kevin Magnussen, Jack Aitken, and Pietro Fittipaldi. Uh, and then not classified were Nicholas Latifi, Max Verstappen, and Charles Leclerc with DNFs. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Here <laughs> is the explanation for ex- just what happened there. Um, Toto Wolf speaking to Sky News says, um, one of the tire crews didn't hear the call. We had a radio failure in the garage, and when the car came in, they didn't know that we had changed the tires. So they had the wrong tires, and this is why we exited with the wrong tires. The FIA ruling clarifies what happened, saying that the mix-up, quote, was caused by a radio communications technical issue wherein the pit walls communication to the pit crew that uh, Russell's car was entering the pits prior to, and not after, Botas's car, failed to be received by uh, Russell's crew because at the same time, the driver of car 63 transmitted over the top of that message. So because Russell was transmitting, probably at the time when he was saying, are we staying in or coming out, that message to his side of the garage overrode the message from the pit wall, but not did not do so for Botas's side of the garage. So half the team thought it was Botas coming in and half thought it was Russell. Uh, race fans points out that the timing on the call was really tight since Russell was in the final corner when the track went from virtual safety car to full safety car and when they made that choice, uh, which is one reason there were a lot of messages being pushed that pushed at that same time. Um, in that race fans article, they quote Mercedes's trackside engineering director, Andrew, Andrew, uh, Shovlin, who says, quote, there were a number of broadcasts at that time on the radio system. The system knows to prioritize the messages coming from Ron Meadows, who's the team's sporting director, uh, because the most important thing is that the tires are there more so than whatever a driver says or whatever else someone in the crew might say. But it looks like there was a period whereby the system is deciding to let the prioritized message through and we missed a key bit of the broadcast such that half of the tire collectors didn't get the message and it looks like half of them did. Uh, Shovlin believes, uh, again, this is from race fans, that the radio system fault has been present for years. It was sheer misfortune that it manifested itself yesterday on Russell's debut for the team while he was leading the race. Quote, this is something that could have caught us out in any of the past three years. It could have caught us out at the first race next year. So it's something that's been there in the system. And it was awfully unfortunate for the drivers and desperately unfortunate for George that we found that today. It was, it was not just so cool, though. I feel like it, like, tickles your sort of, you know, radio operation um, air, you know, pilot brain. Yeah. And it tickles my, you know, I did, like, network security infrastructure stuff all about, like, keys and, like, that sort of, like, catch and release. That It's it's such a fun process quandary that sort of presented itself. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. It's, like, a cool... It's unfortunate for everyone. It's not that... It's the type of thing, like... This is what happens in like when you when you beta test software. It's to find these situations where something happens that you know you need a bunch of people doing it to to make these outliers present themselves. And it's just like yeah, it just presented itself in this situation because it was a late call because the the way it was set up, the the amount of communication happening at the same time, super fascinating. It, it's more it's cool it's better for me that it was something like that that they can then fix and is interesting than you know the wrong tire cover was on or something like that or or human error right yeah it was not human error in this case it mm. was programming i guess everyone did their job yeah yeah you know when you're flying you can if you if two people are transmitting at the same time you'll hear a tone 
So I wonder if that cool. could have been alleviated. Like it'll go boop. It's weird. Because then people would know. Yeah. Right. Um, but one more stat here from race fans. Quote, despite having missed the penultimate race of the year, Hamilton is guaranteed to finish the year with a higher points total than any of Mercedes's rival teams. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so he bet Red Bull. He beat yeah. Red Bull. It's been more competitive this year, though. We've had a lot of... Um, I don't know what... Well, we should have a look at what last year's is at the end of the season, but it feels like there's a lot... But, you know, those mid-pack teams have gotten a lot more points than they've ever gotten before. Yes, and while we're on the subject of points, let's run down the driver standings here. Lewis Hamilton has 332 points, and let's let's just see what Red Bull has. 282. <laughs> so I guess if they come 1-2 uh, next week, they can't top 232. Um, Valtteri Botas is still in second place and probably will be if he hasn't mathematically secured it because Max Verstappen went out on lap one. Uh, but Max Verstappen still holding strong with uh, 189 points in third place to Valtteri Botas' 205. Uh, no, that's still, that's still possible. That's still possible. That's still possible. Yeah, that's 16 points. Hmm. Um, Sergio Perez uh, in fourth place now with 125. Two Daniel Ricardos in fifth, 112. Then another close battle here, uh, Charles Leclerc in sixth with 98. Carlos Sainz with 97. Alex Albon with 93. Lando Norris is in ninth with 87. Lance Stroll in tenth with 74. Then we've got Pierre Gasly with 71. Esteban Ocon with 60. Sebastian Vettel with 33, Daniel Kvyat with 32, Nico Hulkenberg in 15th place uh, with 10. You know that that listener that wrote in wondering if uh, Nico Hulkenberg would retain his 15th place. Hulkenberg, he would have been bumped down if uh, if George had won. So yeah. it's good for Hulkenberg. Yeah, the chances of it now, if George doesn't get the Mercedes seat next week, are pretty high that uh, Nico will retain 15th in the, in the championship. Yes, because behind him we have Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi, both with four. George Russell on the board with three points in 18th place. Roman Grosjean has two. Kevin Magnussen has one. Nicholas Latifi, Jack Aitken, and Pietro Fittipaldi with zero. Uh, unfortunately for Williams, those points <laughs> went to Mercedes. <laughs> I know, They right? still got zero. Uh, but yeah, Mercedes is in first with 540. Red Bull... Um, is that not quite half their points? 282. Mm. Uh, racing point with 194 is in third. I think jumped McLaren um, yep. handily. with uh, They've got 184 in fourth place. Renault's in fifth with 172. Not out of the running just yet. Ferrari is uh, in sixth with 131. Alpha Tauri has 103. And then a big gap down to Alfa Romeo with eight. Gene Haas and team with three. And Williams with zero. So that the, the third place fight is interesting. Renault probably can't fight for third, but they still can fight. Mathematically, they can, but like any scenario where any of these threes are get, getting really high points is likely a scenario in which the other teams are also getting high points. You know, we're not seeing Mercedes's finish fourth or fifth. We're seeing them either not out, out of the race entirely or or not. So it's all to play for we'll see what happens i think the most important thing for all of those teams is to get in the top 10 and to finish the race we saw what happened with you know so many of them end up having double dnfs this is the race in which you get a double dnf one of the other teams picks up fourth or fifth position or sixth and seventh position and suddenly you find yourself missing out on millions and millions of dollars so i think i think you're going to see some conservative racing from all three of those um guys uh, coming into into abu dhabi but it's gonna be a lot of fun Indeed. Also fun, the news. Let's uh, do it. Not a whole lot here, uh, aside from driver news. Um, yeah. As we mentioned, uh, George Russell, mm, there's a chance he'll be back in the Mercedes, but I think Hamilton will probably, at this point, be back in his car. He uh, apparently was was hit harder than um others with with covid he was laid yeah, out in his hotel sick, room right? for yeah mm. pretty sick but um he is uh, posted on social media saying that he he's feeling good now uh but he must um not only test negative for covid in bahrain he must then land in abu dhabi and test negative there and have enough time for a 48 hour isolation period to participate in at least one pre-race session 
uh, under the rules, you can't just hop in for the race. You must have uh, either done practice one, two, or three, or qualifying. Um, if he can't complete all three of those things, um, the same scenario would happen. Russell would be in at Mercedes, and Aitken would be in at Williams. Um, Fittipaldi is filling in once again for Roman Grosjean, even though Grosjean wanted to be in for Abu Dhabi. Uh, I have some quotes here from autosport.com. Grosjean saying, I won't risk losing mobility of my left index and left thumb for the rest of my life just to go to Abu Dhabi. Uh, the story would be beautiful to go to Abu Dhabi. Uh, if I don't, I'll call every single F1 team and see if anyone would offer me a private test in January or so to jump back in the car and have uh, 10 to 15 laps to myself. Um, which, you know, I think he, he just he doesn't want his last uh, time in an F1 car to be, you know, shrouded in that that incident. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, and in, in a cool move, Mercedes has become the first team to confirm it would be willing to accommodate Grosjean for a private test <laughs> outing. Uh, asked by Autosport about the possibility, Mercedes principal T- uh, Toto Wolff confirmed he would be happy to make it happen. Quote, if we are allowed to do this and nobody else within his universe of teams that he has raced for would provide him with such an opportunity, we would do this, Toto Wolff said. Uh, any private test for Grosjean would likely have to take place in at least two-year-old machine- machinery, meaning he would, could theoretically drive last year's title-winning uh, Mercedes W10 in a test, uh, assuming the running was conducted in the new year. <laughs> I think that's cool. It's funny, yeah. It's funny they won't even allow him drive in an, in a regular one because the team could get data from it, so they have to right. they have to be super careful about it. Yeah, sad uh, to see him not back, but uh, the right decision to be made. You know, yeah, he, I think you see he, there's another quote from him saying, like, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, but probably the wisest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but more driver news, Danny. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it happened right after we we, we stopped last week. In oh, it, fact, does. It, it does. And, you know, we, we haven't talked about the whole Russell Bottas thing either. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen there at the moment. The, um, you know, who knows if if Russell it's it seems crazy at this stage that Mercedes would do a power move and, and give Russell Bottas a seat. But yeah, Russell, you, you know, know, yeah. Uh, people are trying Bottas to read into has a contract. It with, Russell has a yeah. contract. Re- we'll revisit it in twenty twenty two. I think yeah. that's what's that has long been my uh feeling is that Russell will be in for Bottas in twenty twenty two. Or if Hamilton retires. Yeah, he hasn't signed his contract. Who knows? I, I, I'm Not with you. I, I suspect nothing will happen regardless of if Bottas has you know, taken Mercedes off his Instagram account or all these rumors <laughs> that are going around. Who knows? But what I'm saying is next week we may well be talking about that uh, if something breaks because right after we broke last week, the uh, long-rumored known quantity news that Mick Schumacher was going to uh, sign for Haas was indeed confirmed. A um, uh, bit of F2 news just on that while we're talking about it. Um, you know, spoilers for the next five minutes. If you don't want to know what happened in the end of the F2 race, you can go to F1.tv and watch the feature race and the sprint race. They do two races on a race weekend in F2, of course. Um, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, Mick Schumacher did get the title in a rather interesting manner he didn't do great in the feature race um but uh, uh who also didn't do fantastically great was nikita mazabin who of course is going to be coming to f1 next year as well um he had a really it was a very annoying race to watch because he was incredibly aggressive on overtakes like 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 michael schumacher you know putting barrichello into the wall dangerous on a straight um he pushed out i think it was uh Guan Yu Zhou, I think it was, um, uh, at one stage. Um, uh, the, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, I have a note here actually. The stewards gave Mazepin a five second time penalty and two time penalty points, two penalty points on his license for impeding uh, Filipe Drogovic while uh, his rival tried to pass him on a pit straight and he was given a further uh, two uh, points and another five second time penalty for forcing Yuki Sonoda into the pit lane exit um, while being overtaken by the Carlin driver. Uh, Sonoda himself actually is also going to be doing some preseason or uh, end of season testing in Abu Dhabi next weekend. Um, yeah, the young driver he... test also attended by one Fernando Alonso. Really? Oh my yes. God. Oh yeah, of course. I forgot about that. And Sainz is, yeah, they were asking Sainz about that. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. Sonoda obviously got a couple of uh, uh, points as well. He ended up third in the, the championship. Um, but it was really weird for a while because Mazepin basically... 
Uh, it was in fourth, I think, until he got all those points. I was delighted he got those points. I've never watched a race. The commentators weren't even calling him out on it, and it seemed like he was driving like a like a madman. Really dangerous, the type of stuff we were talking about, where he's the type of driver who really only cares about, you know, getting in front and isn't so conscious about other drivers' uh, safety, but also, like, he's kind of like the anti-Alain Prost, you know, the professor who obviously would go into every race trying to get as many points as possible, and if that meant not winning the race, so be it. Um, Mazepin shot himself in the foot he could have left some of these cars pass had a different strategy he only seems to know how to drive one way uh, and in so doing blocking drivers he ended up tumbling down the points and I think he ended up in ninth position in the feature race uh, it it made a little bit of an interesting situation because Guan Yu Zhou who was basically you have to be in the top 7 in F2 uh, at the end of the season to get super license points so there was a scenario in which Mazepin this is why Haas weren't announcing it, that Mazepin might actually slip out and not get enough super license points to be able to come into F1. But to do that, you basically needed Guan Yu Zhou to do really, really well in that weekend and for Mazepin to shit the bed. And as it happened, uh, Guan Yu Zhou ended up, I think he was second or third in the feature race. <laughs> um, he gotten six points in the previous week in Sakir, uh, or I guess in Bahrain, as it was known then. Um, but he got 18 points and ended up getting eight points in the feature race. So uh, it was lucky in a way, because Mazabin came away from the second weekend with only two points. So he ended up securing fifth position, but there was a world in which uh, Joe actually ended up doing even better, um, but that wasn't the case. So there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened. Uh, Mick Schumacher uh, ended up um, having a horrific lockup on turn four, which ended up forcing him a couple of laps later to... Uh, um, do a pit stop which pushed him to the back of the field so basically him winning the championship was based almost entirely on Callum Eilat's ability to to try and win that race or I think if he came second it would have happened but uh, as it happened we had um, uh, some great drives from Lungard and uh, 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 oh no sorry who else did well in that race who else won it was somebody's first win I have it here was it Drogovic it was Drogovic's first win wasn't it yeah um, yeah my thing here doesn't happen for some reason uh yeah yeah oh yeah 15 point you get less points in the sprint race of course um yes and uh tick them dan tick them did really well and yuki sonoda did really well so yeah f2 is great f2 is wonderful this year and uh we're gonna have two of them next year and two of them are very very different drivers it's interesting if you watch mick schumacher after the race he's an incredibly uh genteel kind of guy he was really emotional about winning and it wasn't about winning the it didn't seem to be because he won the championship. It seemed to be because he was going to miss his team. It was really wow. something else. He hugged every person when he came in. And then when they did the interview, he just said, they're an amazing bunch of people and I just love them. So he <laughs> just seems like, he seems like his mother's son. Like she famously talked about how when Michael, you know, retired that she got her husband back and she was happy, you know. And uh, I think I think you can see he's not... The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but, you know, maybe he was a little bit closer to his mom's tree as well. He seems like he's sort of a nice chap. People seem to really like him. He's taking his time getting up in the sport. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, to having him in, in the sport. And then also we have an Ivan Drago coming in as well. So it's going to be very interesting between the two of them, him and him and Mazepin. Yeah, and, and Sunoka, uh, Tsunoda, um, Tsunoda yeah. is, uh, is, is, again, looking... More likely, um, because I think there's been rumblings out of Kvyat saying like, "Well, if I have to take a seat for 2021, I'll I'll try to be back for 2022." So right. I think regardless of what happens with Albon, um, whether Perez takes his seat or or he keeps it, I think it will be Sonoda in the car. Because if uh, if Albon gets punted, I don't think he's going to Toro Rosso. Or it's a it's a it's Alfa a weird Tauri. situation. Yeah, that's the other thing. Of course, we haven't talked about either is what happens with Checo. Like he wins a race, he's he's made his point this year. This is his best year in F one. His but be- been not just in points, in, in terms of driving, he's been really solid this year. Yeah. Um. You know, he's had retirements and they haven't been his fault. So I don't, I don't know. We're we're. I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about this next week. Right now, it's all up in the air. Yes, uh, and just one final note here. Uh, Kevin Magnussen going to IMSA next year. I am SA. He's going to I am SA. Yes, the uh, American Sports Car Championship where his dad races, Jan Magnussen. So that'll be fun. Races? Yeah, I think he's still... Wow. Going around, yeah. Shake and bake. There, I think, I think Jan Magnussen had Kevin at like the age of 17 or 18. So they're, oh, they're right. pretty close in age, yeah. That's awesome. Um, 
But we're here to talk about Formula One races, Danny. What's the next one we've got coming up uh, this weekend? Oh, my goodness. Well, the season never ends. We're into, it's almost Christmas. What's going on? Um, <laughs> yes, we're, we're at the final race of the year, as ever, is in Yas Marina Circuit. It's not usually second week in December, but, uh, you know, they won't mind. It's, it happens at nighttime anyway. We're in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Not all that far from Bahrain. Quick little hour-long flight or so. Um, it's an anti-clockwise circuit. It was built by Armin Tilke. It was in 2009 is when it first debuted, and it's been the de facto final stage of a Formula One season ever since. Uh, we drive into the twilight. If you are new to F1, this is your first season. Um, Abu Dhabi's always been interesting because it is a g- gorgeous track. It's built on top of a hotel, which is this crazy sparkling light show on top of it. It's beside a marina. It's in Yaz Island, which is an artificial island uh, on the edge of Abu Dhabi, outside the city, right beside Ferrari World. If you heard, if you watch UFC and you heard about them talking about Fight Island, uh, it wasn't really on an island. It was actually in Yaz Island in, in uh, Abu Dhabi. Is that Dhabi. right? Um, I didn't yeah, know Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where all those Fight Island fights happened. It was in, okay. it was, it's on the coast, you know what I mean? It's like a little island, kind of, you know, it's like an island in the way that, Long Island? Yeah. <laughs> it's an island? More, well, more like Alameda, you know what you I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, it's kind of, it's an island, but like, you know. Um, or like Treasure Island, maybe in between the where there's a lot of I mean, it that's is artificial. But yeah. yeah, but like also like yeah, ninety percent of it's man-made. Right? Is Yas Marina also kind of radioactive? <laughs> I yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I, yeah. I went for a walk on Treasure Island a couple of weeks back, and I was walked past with my kid, and we walked past all those all those radioactivity signs, and I was like, hmm, maybe we'll maybe we'll stay in Oakland next time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun race because they race from you know dusk into the nighttime essentially, uh, so it's quite beautiful. Uh, very little elevation change, most of it on that sort of uh, the the back straight, one of the two DRS zones, the long straight that happens on this one. They happen back to back these two DRS zones, and as a result, the turns at the end are where most of the overtakes happen. Turn eight and turn eleven. Um, 55 lap race, five and a half kilometers, pretty standard. Hamilton loves it here, is one or five times, and. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, and they got that weird pit lane. They do. They have a weird pit lane. And if, you know, Fittipaldi is driving here, young drivers always have to be careful on their first time out um, of the pit lane during practice. It goes underneath the... the the um, uh, I guess the start-finish straight, right at the end of turn one. You're in a tunnel underneath it. It seems ridiculous, but... um. It is what it is. And yeah, it's got fun sequences. The little arena section at the back is fun. Turns 15 through 17, like a triple apex kind of situation. It's a, it's a good race. It's good fun. Uh, we will have the C3, 4, and 5, the softest of the five compounds, tire-wise. Um, and weather-wise, uh, you know, pretty similar. Pretty warm, at least on um, qualifying day. 78 degrees Fahrenheit or 26 Celsius. And exactly the same for uh, race day um, and qualifying day, although maybe a few more clouds on Sunday. Uh, Wind, 12 miles an hour or 19 kilometers an hour. Um, Similar on both days. Precipitation, 0%. So... Uh, look forward to that. Uh, we have not run down the the fantasy league standings in uh, a couple episodes because there's been so much to talk about. We'll try to cram them in here. Uh, Bahrain <laughs> top three were full send from the UK, GP two picks from Canada, and from America. My dad is rich. Let me drive an F one car. <laughs> uh, in Sakhir, uh, we have a tie between two Americans, uh, wow. DZ's fast boys with a Z. And Spinionero, uh, both tied for second, but number one from Italy, the car goes neow. It does. It's true. You have to pay me every time you say that. I think you're a neum, Danny. Oh, parody. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> gets, around, gets around copyright. <laughs> and overall standings, third place, Black Lives Matter from the US, from Canada, Plains Weekly, and also from Canada, number one, P-Air Gas Leak. Very good. Wordplay. North yes. America represents. What's going on with all our Europhiles? Come on, guys. Or Europeans. <laughs> um, yeah. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or go to f1.cool slash emails. You can also yeah, sorry hit we haven't up. had time in the past couple of weeks. There's been so much news and we have to cram these in. We have some good emails, too. We do. I, one of the, a couple I've picked from last week, so I'm going to shuffle them into next week's. We'll definitely have a bunch uh, post Abu Dhabi at least because uh, we'll we'll have the time. Famous last words. 
<laughs> right. Um, but yes, we also are on Twitter at Shift F1 Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer. And Rob Zachney is at Rob Zachney. Um, I don't think there's much racing around the world happening aside from Formula One, Danny. Is there? It's racing Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Uh, Friday, December 11th at 4 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN uh, regular is Free Practice 1, followed by Free Practice 2 on ESPN 2 at uh, 8 a.m. Saturday, December 12th, Free Practice 3 kicks off at 5 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, followed by Qualifying at 8 a.m. on ESPN 2. And the race, Danny, Sunday, December 13th at 8.10 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN 2. The Deuce. Final thoughts. Terrific. What a weird year. God. Yeah. And all of it is because of COVID-19. Almost all the interesting things happened as a result of us having to cobble this sport together or drivers getting sick or it's just, it's been, yeah, what a weird, everything's weird. It'll be nice to finish up in Abu Dhabi, at least some semblance of normality for for the year that's been in it. Yes. uh, Hopefully, um, hopefully that normal does not also mean boring. Although, frankly, I could... Exactly. Just use a little breather. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited. Um, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.